Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. And today we're doing an all listener questions episode. We are indeed. Before we do, I have an amazing beauty tip. Oh, go, go bring it on. Like I know that you're, I know that you're the beauty maven and that it's going to be hard now to surprise you with anything, but I think (laughs) this one will. I'm always surprised. Go ahead. (laughs) I talked to my gynecologist yesterday. We had a Zoom appointment Mm -hmm. and, you know, the topic of the estrogen cream that she gave me came up. Mm Mm-hmm. And that I use for painful sex and it really works. It makes sex a lot less painful. She said I can use it on my under eyes. Wait, what? For what? For, and for... my neck and my neck. Do you think it would work? I mean, I'm really just like nothing will work for the neck. That is my whole thing. But well, the problem is that the, th- the skin gets thin. Yes. You know, the skin gets tissuey and thin and fragile on your neck and under your eyes and the estrogen thickens it. Oh, all right. All right. So, but this is prescription only, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. Estradol, I believe is what it's called. But uh, that's what I have. I use that. I have, that's what I have. I don't use it in my vag, but I use it in the, oh, I can't believe I said (laughs) vag. Um, I use it. I use it. um, I I use it on my arms. That's, that's the way I, that's the way mine is delivered. My, uh, my hormone therapy is delivered in a cream, but I didn't realize, I guess, yeah, I'm going to ask my doctor if I could use it on my face, the one I have. That's amazing. I thought it was an, a quality beauty tip. It is. Have you been using it? No, she just told me this yesterday. Okay. Okay. All right. But but I'm hopeful. Oh yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. I've been trying a bunch of. I've been. I'm I'm going to be doing a big story on necks. Like what it what can you do? You know. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I've been trying a bunch of neck creams. And let me just tell you, 
Like it is just fool's gold out there. Like snake oil is so, there's so many like, and there's all these like TikTok, like 50, over 50 ladies on TikTok who are clearly lying and being like, I, this changed my whole neck. It's forever. And no, no, it doesn't firmed and lifted. It doesn't do shit. You can't do that with a, with a cream. Yeah. Except maybe estrogen. Maybe estrogen. You could change the consistency. You could change the texture of your skin. I do think that. But you cannot lift with a cream. No. It's not possible. Um, on that delightful note, would you like to ask <laughs> a first? Oh, this is actually the first question. You talked about using A, I think it's A313 on your neck. It's that French uh, pharmacy skincare retinol cream, the the miracle on my neck a while back. I talked about using that cream. Are you still using that or does the snail mucus replace it? I stopped using that because I found that product while I'm sure it would bring many results. I found it to be way too itchy and irritating. I couldn't find a way around the itchiness. It felt like torment Mm. and I didn't feel like I deserved that, but I did just get a prescription for retinol um, that I'm going to try on my neck. That is my next neck thing, but no, I'm not trying that because for me and my skin, I couldn't find a way around it just being so, so itchy. It was so right. like all night long. And I was like, I already have enough problems sleeping. So itchy neck, itchy face. I, I don't need an itchy neck and itchy face. Like I don't need to add yeah. that. Like that, that's where I draw the line. I draw the line on my own personal comfort, to be honest. That's a, that's a, a, a very logical place to draw the line. Yeah. Uh, my vanity, my vanity line is drawn on like, oh, now you won't sleep. Now you won't sleep. This will hurt. Yes. Although I'll do a little, I'll do a little, I'll do a little, uh, hurt. I can, I can handle yeah. a little pain. Um, okay. Okay. Next question. Next question. Um, okay. Next question. Should I have my colors done? This keeps coming up. I was going to say that we keep being asked this question. All right. What are your thoughts on my, co- on you, uh, one's colors quote? I'm getting increasingly intrigued by it because people keep bringing it up. You know, and, and, and people keep saying like, it's not like it used to be, it's, it's much more accurate now. And it's not as like, kind of, it always seemed kind of fusty and I don't know. It just seemed like a women's magazine trope. Like, am I a spring? Am I a fall? Am I a summer? Isn't that what it is? This is what this is, right? It is. It is. But I think that it is true. Like I'll put on certain colors and they'll look really great. And I'll put on certain colors and they'll look really bad. And I'm not smart enough about the color wheel to know what other colors I should try. I mean, but don't you at this age, see, this is my feeling. I feel like I've worn enough shirts in my life that I, of of different color hues, I feel like I know which colors, first off, I like, but second off, look good on me. Like I look good in blues and reds. I like wearing yellows, but I don't look good in them. I would say the same thing is true of me. All three things you just said. Okay. Well then, then, you know, already. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay. I mean, I guess you could get your colors done. I guess like, would you change your whole wardrobe if you got your colors done? Um, no, no, but I might, but I might supplement my wardrobe, but it's, you know, one of the reasons I wear so many neutrals and so much black is it's easier to find the clothes I like in those colors. It's hard to find a really great, like jewel tone blue sweater. I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess it can be hard. I don't know. I I don't know about this colors thing. I guess I'm kind of like, 
I guess I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know what, what the end result is. I guess the end result is that you look great all the time. It just feels like, it feels like very much like a makeover show trope to me, but like, maybe it would be great. Like maybe I, you know, maybe I would, maybe my whole life would be transformed. Maybe I'd find out I look excellent in eggplant, Mm -hmm. which I would not. (laughs) I look, I look terrible in eggplant. See, I think some of the colors that look good on me are not colors I like to wear. Yeah. That's the other thing. It just, it brings up, it, it presents more questions than I feel like it answers is the problem with the, doing your colors somehow. Yeah. And also I don't follow, I don't like, I'll never follow it. Like I could get them like, right. should, should this, should this person get their colors done? Well, I guess if the ultimate aim is, you know, if you know that like you want to get your colors done because you kind of hate all your clothes and you want to start over and you would like a guide to starting over then absolutely. But I just yep. would, I would pay to do it and then never do anything with it. Yep. I, I agree with you. Yeah. I could see like post-divorce or like surgery or something when you kind of need like a little spring in your step. Yeah. 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 Starting it, starting a new job where you have to be there in person. Yeah. Yeah. I could there's many things I could see. I just feel like Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I know, I feel like I kind of know what my skin tone is and what it, what looks horrible on it. Yeah. Just years of trial and error. I don't know if I need a professional for that, but you know, there's a whole world out there that I don't know about. Okay. All right. What are three wardrobe items you should absolutely not skimp on? Um, bags. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you, I, I think a good bag, but I also don't think that means you have to spend a fortune. I think that most designer bags are, are, are bullshit. If you're buying a leather bag, like you can get a nice bagu pouch, but if you want like a nice yep. leather bag or suede bag, like I do think that you need to spend like a couple hundred on that. Usually I feel like you can't get out for less than that. Yep. I agree. Um, I think you can buy shoes that are cheap, but I think it's important to have a, co- I mean, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. Like the shoe, the bags and shoes are traditionally what everybody says you should spend money on. I would say pants. Pants is a good one for the third I would one. say pants. I would say pants for me, pants, like not that I spend a ton on them, but it's not the thing that I buy at Target because I can't, I just, when they're, when they're made of flimsy material, it's just, they're not as flattering. No. That's that's not to say that you couldn't find a good pair of like pants, you know. Our bodies get tr- tricky though at this age. Like, I agree. It's not like, you know, it's there's lumpy in some places and not in other places and it's hard to know how to fit them. Also pants for the most part, like in this, you know, obviously everything, nothing is true universally, but pants for the most part, you find a really nice pair of black pants. You're going to wear them for a decade, right? Unless your body like changes that much and, and, you know, maybe it will, but you're going to, you know, ostensibly you could wear a pair of black trousers for a really long time. So they're worth, they're worth investing in because there's nothing worse than like actually having a pair of pants that you like. And the the material is so cheap. They're pilling. Like it's just, it's worth investing on something that really fits you well. I think that's the bottom line. I think, I mean, and the other thing is, I mean, I once, and everybody's going to think this is ridiculous, but I once spent $500 on a hoodie. Okay. I do think that's ridiculous, but continue. It was a really (laughs) special hoodie. Okay. It was, it was by, it was by this brand Sakai, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. It wasn't made of cotton. It was made of some kind of synthetic cottony material, but it mm-hmm. had this excellent shape. It really held its shape. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew this was, this hoodie was going to change my life. And this hoodie, like I, the cost per wear on that hoodie is pennies because I've worn it so much for so many years. And also things that like feel special. Like I bought that Claire V lip print button down and that's like out of my, I think it was at $200 and I don't usually spend that much on a top. And I know a lot of people do, but I'm, I'm really pretty cheap and I'm pretty frugal with my uh, clothing choices because I like to buy a lot of clothes, but I have worn that already so many times and I just, it's so original looking and it looks exactly like something that fits with everything in my wardrobe. I've worn it under sweatshirts, under sweaters, under a sweater vest. Like it has versatility to it. It's well-made and I absolutely love it, you know, and I couldn't have found that cheap somewhere. It's a special shirt. Yep. Yep. I love that shirt. I want that shirt too. You should get it. Also. Yes. Yeah, so I would say, I would say a third category, if not pants, is special shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Excitement tops. That's what we call them at Sassy. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. And the second question this, this listener had. Okay. What lessons did getting fired teach you that you might not have learned otherwise? In hindsight, do you think your employer could have handled it another way or was it just the only way it was going to end? Um, they could have not fired me on Rosh Hashanah. That would have been cool. Other than that, it all played out the way it was going to. What do you think? Um, I was fired in like such a barbaric way. Like I was fired in like the way you think that people get fired in movies, like security guards, an hour to leave. You know, it, it was it was totally unnecessary and over the top. And there was no warning and there had been no like review system up until that point. Like, you know, so like, yes, it could have been handled differently. It probably should have been handled differently. What it taught me was don't take a job that feels bad. Like I didn't, I knew that I didn't want that job, but I took it because it, it looked good to the outside world. Don't be afraid to leave a job. Like mm. I was so terrified to leave because, you know, oh my God, I, you know, I have health insurance. I can't just quit without another job, but I was too burnt out to look for another job. Like I should have left that job six months before I did at least. And yeah. I didn't. And, and so it taught me like, trust your gut, trust your gut, both in the initial, the initial decision, and then trust your gut. If you're feeling like it's time to go, go. Yeah, I, that's definitely holds true for me as well. I was, I was so unhappy for so many years. And I remember pretty early on when Lucky was still doing very, very well thinking like, wouldn't it be cool to leave right now? Yep. Yep. You know, I, and, and like right when the magazine was on top of things and then when the magazine wasn't on top of things anymore, it was impossible to think about leaving. Yep. Yep. I, I, I agree with that. And also I will say though, like one thing I forgot about jobs until I've had one again is, um, it's that feeling that you're always going to get fired. Like that feeling of like, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm in trouble. I'm in, I'm getting fired. And I had had that most of my entire life, like just because also I'm hypersensitive, whatever. And I was always like trying to overcompensate for that, making myself indispensable, like don't want to get fired, whatever. And this blindsided me so much, this firing that it was like, it kind of validated that paranoia I'd had my entire career. You know what I mean? Like it kind of was a situation where I was like, oh, well, maybe you could get fired at any time. So I don't know. Meditation. I don't know. I, I don't know. Fucking, <laughs> getting fired sucks. It sucks and it's great. Who knows? Um, okay. 
Okay. I've been working for myself for a couple of years and I'm wondering about going back to the full-time job world, even though it burned me out before. Would love to hear about your journey, meaning Jen's journey, and the thought process as you decided to go back. I mean, the thought process was pretty simple for me. I was sick of hustling for freelance work. There was a there was a real, you know, I make I make my money on the things that people see in the world that are like splashy and nice and fun, like the podcast I did and like books. And then really though, most like most freelancers, I make my money on things that nobody ever sees. I do had done a lot of consulting, a lot of, you know, development editing, ghostwriting, all of this stuff. And that was a constant hustle and like chasing down money I needed to live every month and then chasing down invoices. And then, and then there was kind of a drought around work because every, um, because the writers were on strike. So there was just like all over a drought around like words work, let's say. And I just, I just was tired of that. I really wanted to centralize all of my work for money in one place. And I was very, very intentional about the kind of work I wanted to go into because just like this listener, I had also been burned out by a full-time job. So I was really thoughtful and intentional about what had burned me out in my last, in my previous roles, what I didn't want to do again, and what I did want to do again. And so that really informed my job search. And you know, so far it's been great. I mean, I, I love this new job. This is my favorite job I've had in 20 plus years. Like I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I think it's like, not just, oh, I want to go look for a job now, for whatever that means and figuring out what all those reasons are. But the second part of it is what kind of job do I want to do now? What can I commit to really and have full buy-in on now? And I, I had been looking at jobs where I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. Oh, you know, like I don't, you know, so that that's, that's, I think the answer to that question. Awesome. Um, okay. I'll ask this one. Okay. Have you ever had to record a show when you're in a really bad mood or just not feeling it or are feeling pretty down? This thought occurred to me when I think of how many hosts crank out episodes week after week. Surely sometimes you have to fake it till you make it. I, 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 I <laughs> sure. Yeah. But the other thing about the podcast is it, and this is going to sound dorky, but it's true, is that I always kind of look forward to it because it's when I get to talk to you. I always look forward to it too, but also the other thing about the podcast, and thank you for saying that, but also the other thing about the podcast is if we're in a bad mood, we just say, I'm going to fucking, I'm, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> I'm fucked up today. I mean, I just have cried on this podcast. I mean, there's rarely, I think once or twice we've had, we've gotten on and been like, I don't think we can do this today. I'm too upset. Um, the day that, the day that Roe versus Wade um, was yes. struck down, we, we were supposed to have a guest and all three of us were like, not today. Yep. No, that was, that was a really bad day. And there have been some like, you know, poor mental health days for sure. But I think that because we're lucky because of the nature of the show, we can bring that bad mood or that sadness or whatever it is to the show, because it's, you know, usually it's sort of indicative of something going on in midlife. It's usually relevant to the, to the subject matter, you know? So I don't, I don't ever feel like I'm faking it till I make shit. I never feel like it because I don't really feel like I'm performing on this show for the most part. No, it's true. It's not like a, you know, 
we're, we're, we're being pretty authentically ourselves. Especially when it's just you. Sometimes I have had to fake it with a guest. Let's, let's be honest. That's a different yeah. story. When it's just you, I don't care. But sometimes I've had to like put the dimples yeah. on for a guest for sure. When I've just yeah, been in foul true. mode, right? And just been like, that's oh, for hi, sure true. stranger. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's for sure true. <laughs> okay. Okay. How do you handle slash deflect unsolicited advice, i.e. when you're venting about your job or kid, but instead of getting empathy or validation, you get hammered with unsolicited advice, most of which you know doesn't apply and won't work in your situation? Um, I, I usually just like, I'm usually just like, uh-huh. Like I usually don't confront anything. So I'm, unless I blow up. So I'm usually like, oh, you know, great. Thanks. But there is a thing that I saw in the Times this week about um, the way we should be communicating with people when they're upset. And it's, um, do you want to be helped? You should ask a friend. This is not actually an answer to this question. But if your friend is upset, you should ask a friend. And this is a very juvenile way to ask this question because it's for children. But you should ask a friend, do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? And I think that that is so important, right? Because a lot of times people don't want to solve for their problem. No. And- of course, people are human. And when they hear that you're upset, they're going to try to present solutions. Yes. Or there's a type of person who's just going to try to present solutions and who even thinks that's what's being asked of them. I, I mean, I'm guilty of that because I'm just like, oh, I, 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 I'm uncomfortable that you're so sad. I want to fix it. I think that that's good advice for adults and children. You know, the yeah. thing, have you ever seen the thing on TikTok or whatever, where school teachers now, like as they greet their students for the day, Mm-mm. they can either they're, they, 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 the kids point to a poster mm-hmm. and the poster has like high five, hug, dance, nothing. Mm. And the kids get to do whichever one of those things they're in the mood for with the yeah. teacher yeah. I think adults could learn from shit like that. I really do. I do too. I do too. And there really is a thing that somebody just wants to be heard. They just want yeah. to be heard. And I want, it's something I really want to get better at. You know, I have my, my friend, Kristen, who was on the show. She's so good at listening. She's like an incredible listener. And she asks like really good questions that are never about her and also never about a solution. It's all about like, well, how'd that make you feel? Oh, I remember when you felt that way before, you know, it's so engaged. And I think most of us are, especially as we get to this age, when we've had to fix so much shit in our own lives, most of us are bad at just listening. Yep. I think that's true. And I think it also, it's, uncomfortable as much it's much easier to say like oh we'll try a b or c it's much more much less comfortable for to hold somebody else's discomfort or unhappiness yeah for them it is it is i mean and i do find that like you know it's helpful to just say you know oh that must be really hard that sounds really hard you know i'm so sorry that's happening to you like those things that come easily but it's it's so easy to fall into fix it's so easy mm-hmm. to just be like, oh, well, let me help fix this for you when the person doesn't want to fucking hear that at the moment. Yeah. And if it's something that they've been dealing with for a while, they've probably heard every potential fix. Yes. Um, but this person's asking, how do I handle it? How do you handle when you get unsolicited advice? Do you say, I don't want advice right now? Well, I'm thinking about when I had migraines, mm-hmm. you know, and every, and I went to every doctor and I tried every fucking thing and people would be like, have you given up coffee? 
would you try this homeopath? Mm -hmm. And I used to just say, "Uh uh-huh. And I even, I've said this before, I would try things just to shut people up and say that I'd tried it. Because I think people are trying just to be helpful. With the migraines, there were a few times when I got pretty impatient with people. And I don't think it was fair because they were just trying to help. Yeah. I mean, I have said, I have in recent, as I'm getting slightly healthier, I have said recently to my husband, I don't want your advice right now. I just need to talk about this. So I do think being direct about it to answer the actual question is the best yeah. The, the the best thing you can do because it also helps guide the other person. Just letting it go is just like going to see a repeat of the behavior. Right. Let's take a quick break from some ads. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. Okay, next question. How do you cultivate community? 
I'm starting to realize that work and family obligations cannot be my only source of fulfillment. I mean, I'm thinking about what happened over COVID. Yeah. You know, that I felt, I felt a very strong sense of community during COVID because I reached back into my past Mm -hmm. and found people who I, you know, wanted to have in my life again, who wanted to be in my life again. And I think that happened for so many people, you know, but it's very hard building community. And at this age is not an easy trick. No, it's not. Though I will tell you that I am actively involved currently in a building community group. Um, And someone on my street, I talked about this last week, someone on my street was like, I think there are a lot of awesome women who live on this street. Um, I think we should gather once a week. And, you know, normally I would be like, oh God, that sounds horrible. But I've actually really been enjoying it. And it's just Part of building community, because they've done all this research on this, is it is putting the hours in and it is consistency. Like that's how we meet friends, right? We meet friends by having or make friends. We make friends by having like a certain amount of hours of of knowing somebody. So Mm -hmm. I think that it is, again, being very intentional, being very consistent. So like a book club and you know you're going to meet every month or a walking date and you know, like you're going for a walk with these two people or just like planning consistent, regular activities with people you're interested in knowing. Yep. I think that's the only way, because if not, I mean, fuck it, you'll just skip it and you'll just never know it. It's so easy to not, it's so easy to not see people. It's so easy not to see people and especially so easy not to like meet someone somewhere and then decide you want to pursue a friendship with them. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's a commitment to consistency. Yes. Okay. Next question. Do your spouses and or family members listen to your podcast each week? Sometimes? Never? Do you want them to or nah? Well, my mom listens. You know, she'll she'll get behind, but she'll listen. It's fine with me that she listens. My husband listens sometimes. Yeah. Some people in my family listen sometimes is what I would say. And I don't mind. I don't say anything that, well, that's not true. I probably do say things on this podcast that I wouldn't say like in, you know, if I was just hanging out with say my older brother, Mike, who doesn't want to hear any, doesn't want to even consider that I have a sex life or even sex organs. Oh my God. Um, I, I, I'm just fully absorbing that, that information. Um, my husband never listens to the podcast. I believe that he is not. Li- he listened to one episode. He listened to the Julia Cameron episode. He never listens to it, which is fine by me. I mean, I don't care. I don't expect him to listen to it. I don't really want him to listen to it, honestly. I mean, I don't care if he does, but it's not. I, I think it's probably better if not, because also then you get into a thing where it's like you're telling somebody something and they're like, oh, yeah, well, I know I heard it on the podcast. And it's like, oh, yeah. you know, Um I think there are members of my family, like I think my sister listens regularly, which makes me happy. And I think my mom dips in and listens sometimes. Um, I don't know how often I think when I think I suspect when she's feeling distant from me, she listens to the podcast. Um, Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about any of that. But I put out a uh, I put out a uh, a public record of my thoughts. Like, what else am I going (laughs) to do? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Oh, 
Is there any way to proactively plan slash prepare for the age discrimination that happens to women as we age? I'm 44 now and wondering if I should just assume my salary will decrease for the last 10 years of my career. I'm the maiden breadwinner for my family and I'm worried. I don't think like I don't think you have to catastrophe. I don't think you need to catastrophize like, you know. And I think that it is real, but it doesn't mean that it's absolutely going to have to happen. You know, I think that the way you can act proactively plan and prepare for age discrimination is by keeping your skills relevant and up to date by Mm -hmm. and broadening them as much as you can and making sure that the way you talk about work, the way you think about work you know, the, the, the language that you use, the, the, the systems that you work on are as current as they can possibly be. And if they're not having some sort of supplemental education so that they are, because I was very nervous going into a job search this time. And I think that having that, having up-to-date skills and kind of being able to speak the language of my industry was clutch. If I had been stuck in even five or six years ago, I would not have found work. And that's what I would say. And I think that all of the experts we've talked to agree with that. It's just keeping yourself current, engaged, understanding what it is that you do at the most modern level that you can. That's great. Because it's not just seniority. It's not just seniority at a certain point. At a certain point, it's like, great, you have seniority and experience, but you don't know how to use X, Y, Z that we all know how to do. Right. Right. That's great advice. I have nothing to add. All right. Okay. How are you both, how are you both feeling about the upcoming holidays? I mean, I'm feeling excited as I always feel about the holidays, but we are, we, I think we approach the holidays differently. I can't wait. I'm just like, when will the lights come? You know? <laughs> really? You get excited about the Christmas lights? Oh my, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for Christmas lights. I'm desperate for cookies, even if I don't eat them. Like, even if I'm like having a very hard time tolerating sugar right now, that's what I want to say, just to be very clear. Um, I love the holidays. I love the whole, the whole thing. And then around December 26th, I'm like, this is disgusting. Make it end. Yeah. How about you? Well, I grew up in a very Gentile place. Yes. You know, Jewish. And I grew up thinking, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought the definition of Jewish was that we didn't believe in Jesus. That was the whole religion that we didn't believe in Jesus. Oh my God, that's so funny. And so I felt, you know, I felt like a huge outsider. Christmas was always an incredibly lonely day. Yeah. And as the years have passed, like I've just because I always never liked the holidays, I continued not to like the holidays, but now I'm kind of, um, I can go either way on them. They don't, it doesn't, make me unhappy when they're approaching. And it used to actually actively make me unhappy when they were approaching. Now I feel like, okay, maybe I'll, you know, go to a party or two. Yeah. Paul, Paul did mention something about a tree the other day. <laughs> Wait, have you ever had a tree? I mean, I know I don't want to be disrespectful, like, but have you ever had a tree? <laughs> <laughs> One year. You did. One year when I was growing up, we got a tree and we were all like, what is this thing in the living room? It just felt, I felt really like I was betraying my religion that was only about not being believing in Jesus. <laughs> I mean, 
I am not, my connection to the holidays is not religious, though it used to be. I mean, it used to be, you know, we had the, the, had the whole Jesus in the manger and at my great grandfather's, my Italian great grandfather's, we would put baby Jesus in his bed at midnight. It was very exciting. Like which grandchild got to put baby Jesus in the, you know, and mm-hmm. we went to church on Saturday, I think on Christmas morning. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just am excited. Like I'm going to be coming east, which I always like. I like seeing family. I like, you know, we do a big feast of the seven fishes on Christmas Eve. I just like the whole thing. I'm probably going to throw a holiday party. I told you that I light the house up. Like I told you last year that I light the house up like, um, you know, a Lower East Side Indian restaurant in a Christmas. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I get excited. I just, I just like holidays, period. Like my house right now is really decorated for Halloween. I just like holidays. I just like festive festivities. I think that one of the reasons why in adulthood, the holidays got hard for me was that I was alone for a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. They were just lonely days, you know, and, and, you know, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. Yeah. And everybody was gone, including my own family were gone with their own children and families and spouses um, yeah, holidays. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. For me, it's just all like community, like even Thanksgiving, we have friends whose house we go to every year. And like, I'm like planning the dishes I'll make, like, I just get dorky about it, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I think that's, that's good. Yeah, that's it's just, it's holidays are my thing. That's it. Um, okay. Uh, can we talk about anxiety? I feel like I'm starting to do weird shit, like holding my breath at random times. Is meno menopause turning me anxious? Is this a thing? Meno menopause induced anxiety? Yes, it is because estrogen um, affects receptors in the brain, and a lot of people who have never had anxiety or had it at one point in their lives, um, anxiety is, either comes on for the first time in menopause or it is exacerbated in, in menopause. So if you, if you're feeling that, like you're not alone. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm not, I don't have, you know, anxiety isn't my thing. It's more, I'm more of a depressive. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm more of a, um, like teeth grinding anxiety prone person. I told you I, we almost didn't do the podcast today because I had a terrible panic attack last night. Um, you know, I'm learning ways to manage it. I, I really, I'm pretty consistent about meditating every morning. And if I don't, I, I, it gets worse sometimes if I'm using, if I'm smoking weed, the, the strain of the weed can really set me off, which is sad because I use weed to help me sleep. Um, and it's just, I'm learning to understand where the anxiety is coming from and find sort of root out the sources. And a lot of it for me is, you know, old, traumas, old fears, a lack of safety. And so I'm, I'm really been for the past couple of years, really working on that kind of stuff in therapy. So, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry. It sucks. Anxiety sucks. And yes, I mean, deep breaths help pushing a hand against the wall, getting in your body, washing your hands, all of those things can really help if you're, if you're starting to like lose it with, with panic. Um, okay. Okay. As writers slash editors, I'd love to hear your thoughts on AI, your degree of freaked outness, whether you see any possible advantages. I mean, I'm a little freaked out about it, but I, you know, Paul fed a bunch of my writing into one of these AI things to see if it could produce writing like my writing. And mm-hmm. it's not like I'm such a, you know, masterful writer, but like AI did not get it at all. 
like AI just spit out and you can read, I mean, I can read things now that I know were written by AI, like real estate listings. And I find mistakes in them all the time. Typos and mistakes because they're not being written by real people anymore. Uh, Yeah. I mean, look, I was looking at that story, um, that Kendall Jenner story where like, it's not just Kendall Jenner. It's a bunch of celebrities and influencers who Mark Zuckerberg is paying for a certain amount of time to take their likeness, turn it into an AI bot and have people on social media engage with this AI bot. And they're getting, these, these celebrities are getting paid millions of dollars. Kendall Jenner's AI bot is named Billy and you can talk to Billy. You can ask Billy for advice and Billy will answer ostensibly. And I don't know why I keep saying ostensibly, but Billy will answer in Kendall Jenner's voice or an AI equivalent. And the reason he's doing this is because eventually we can all have our own AI bots. So I can have my own Billy. Like when I read stories like that, I think that I have no idea how far this is going to go. And I do think that we are living in the before AI times still to some degree, and everything is going to change in 10 years. People are going to be like, wait, you lived before AI. So I'm not freaked out because I write in the first person. This person asked about writing and editing. I write in the first person. I write about personal stories and personal experiences. I I don't think that AI bot could replace that. But I'm worried for the industry at large. A lot of the work that I that I had and found as a young person coming up is going to be gone, is going to be eaten up by AI. A lot of like the copywriting I've done, a lot of like that might have been part of the drought already of the work that I've done, you know? Right, right. And that's that's disturbing to me. Like where are young writers going to get work and young editors? Like it's it's going to be farmed out to AI. And then, you know, the larger ramifications, the AI larger ramifications of how much, what is real and what is fake. I don't, I think that line is blurred. I think that line is getting blurred as we speak. The thing that freaks me out is like, what if the robots develop feelings? There, and there's, they some, are. And there's some evidence that they already have feelings. Yes. This, this like, you know, it's like that, Stephen King book, Christine, where the car gets jealous of the teenage boy's girlfriend. Yeah. It's a little, that shit. I mean, I figure, you know, that will be towards the end of my life. But also like the, the dark, I don't know. I think it's coming. Like the, the, yeah. the, the darkest thoughts of like, well, there's such good fake bots and AI now, like they can just make it sound like Joe Biden is saying anything. And like, at which point is AI used for spreading so much disinformation? Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, I, I feel incredibly freaked out by it. I don't think it's going to affect our generation as much as I'm in the last third of my life, but I feel sad. I feel like we're getting further and further away from a, a real tangible experience. And that's something that's been happening this entire century. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah no, I'm yeah. bummed. There's no there's no happy wrap up with that. I'm bummed and I think it's going to change um a lot of things. Yep. And I don't care that it's useful. I don't give a shit that it's useful. I don't think we needed it. So that's my feeling. Okay. How to care for an aging vagina. Moisturize every day with what? Externally, internally? What do people do? <laughs> <laughs> give it compliments and remind it it's valuable to you. <laughs> Um, 
I take this estrogen cream that I was talking about. That is my main course of care for my vagina is to take estrogen cream, which really helps with sexual painfulness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what people do. I've heard coconut oil. Like I don't, to be honest, I don't, I don't care for an aging vagina yet. I probably should, but no, I don't moisturize every day. I do do kegels. I've never done kegels. I do kegels. I've done kegels just enough to know that I hate kegels. I, I, that's exactly the kind of like obsessive thing that I would do like my whole life. And it is exactly the obsessive thing that I have done my whole life is like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, got to keep my vagina in shape. So stupid. Um, but no, I, I, we should probably have somebody talk about vaginas on the podcast. Cause I don't know. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with it. I just, you know, I, kegels is a very interesting topic because like I've had male friends or one mm. male friend in particular who used to tell me that his ex-wife could just like do things with her vagina that nobody else he had encountered before or since could do. Like she could do a kind of pulsing thing. And I feel like that's all due to kegels. Yes, it is. But you know what? Men actually don't like it. I mean, my experience has been that um, it makes that that kind of kegeling makes men feel out of control and they will ask you to cease. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Aging and eyelashes. Mine used to be thick and long. What the fuck happened? Eyelash curlers (laughs) and mascara do nothing now. Sad face. Oh, I hear you. Um, Yes. What happened is that we're losing, as our skin's getting drier, we are losing hair everywhere. That's, yep. <laughs> that's it happens. The- and the solution is, you know, there are products that people think work. Yes. New brow, I think new lash is something that a lot of people like. Yes. There are also eyelash extensions. Yes. Which, if you don't get crazy ones, are, are very good. I agree. I agree. And I false mean, eyelashes. And getting false kinda, eyelashes. Getting kind of comfortable. I, I wore false eyelashes when I got married. Whenever I've got something of that magnitude to do. I do not too. that happens that often. But no, I'll put on false doesn't. eyelashes. I'll put them on for a special event. I mean, and they make a massive difference. Um, yep. I, I haven't tried eyelash growth serums yet, but that is something that I want to get into next because my eyelashes have gotten kind of sparse. Um and it's a bummer to put mascara on and feel like you have like six, six lashes. Um, it's just part of this age and it's just sort of part of accepting. And I guess, you know, you can define your eyes without, without it too. Like there, you know, you get a really good cream eyeshadow. There's things you can do the kind of work around it beauty wise too, I think. But yes, you're, yeah, again, you're true. not alone. You're not alone. It is a weird thing that nobody tells you. It's another one of those things. It's like, you just won't have eyebrows. <laughs> like. You want to have eyebrows. The eyebrow hairs will push out in your chin now. Exactly. Or you'll have like six eyebrow hairs and they will be so wiry as to just be useless. They don't even work as eyebrow hairs anymore because you can't get them to lay flat. I have old man eyebrows now. Yeah, same. Like those squiggly old man eyebrows that just point out from your face. Yeah. Yeah. You can't brush them down. You can't do shit. So you have to pluck them and then you just have fewer hairs. It's it's not good. It's not great. Um, Well, listen, this is the portion of um, the regular portion of listener questions. We are going to do a bunch of listener questions in a special Patreon only episode that patrons send in to us or things that we are not comfortable sharing with the public at large. Um, So thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. 
And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it across the platforms. It really helps people find the show. It really makes a difference. We read five-star reviews sometimes on the show, especially from Apple Podcasts. If you want to support the production of the show, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash everything is fine. We blog there. We sometimes do live events there and we do special bonus episodes there, which we will have one this week. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at EIF Podcast on Instagram. We have a robust and private Facebook group. You can find Kim on her blog. No, not her blog. Her Substack, kimfrance.substack.com, girls of a certain age. You can find me at Jen Romolini's Vanity on Instagram, which is where I'm doing beauty recommendations, and also at Yahoo. This show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. Yay. We'll be back next week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.